the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you every Saturday evening here on AM 1280, The Patriot. And of course, I am joined in studio once again by our producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Another good evening to you, Rebecca. Yes, we are winding down on our summer weekends, aren't we? It is. Just in a couple days, we saw 60s, 50s, some overnight temps of the 40s. I know. I (laughs) think think we were losing our wonderful weather a little bit too soon. A little too. Soon, exactly. Praying that we get a long fall of nice weather. Yes. Well, with the start of a new school year, many Minnesotans, upper high school students, are refocusing their mindsets to the biggest decision they will make in their young lives the right college. And that is to prepare them for their right career choice. Yes. What a big decision. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the decision process I went through some time ago. Lots of different colleges, lots of work to look into it. It's like a job on the side for sure, right, but it's right. very important. Yeah. And in fact, these decisions are greatly influenced by grades that are received in the classroom and scores on assessment tests like the ACT and the mm-hmm. SAT. And in addition to test results, do students give much thought, though, and preparation surrounding their interests and their strengths? Do students know who they are and how they are designed to impact the culture? Mm-hmm. Well, as they've grown, who has come alongside these students to encourage them in their development and growth in the classroom? Mm-hmm. Well, our guest tonight explains that the college selection process should follow years of proper preparation, which includes a thorough evaluation of the student. Um, what does that evaluation process look like and how early should it start? Dina Hinkle serves as Liberty Classical Academy's guidance and career counselor. She also organizes and leads LCA students on visits to some of the nation's top universities, always convinced that top college opportunities will be there for students that are prepared. Dina, thank you so much for joining us uh, again in our Education Nation studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, and you've done a great job in your role. You've been there for a few years now. And uh, we actually had you on a couple of years ago, back when we were still still recording in Stillwater. Exactly. So it's definitely time to have you back, and we're glad that you're back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is fun. Well, let's talk about the significance of a school having a college and career counselor. What is your your counselor position's purpose? And then what grade level is it best for students to start connecting with their counselor? 
The purpose of a college counselor um, is really to support and help students in their transition between high school and college. It feels exciting to be heading into my fourth year at Liberty, um, exploring with students their unique strengths and talents and really encouraging them throughout their high school years. Mm -hmm. Um, In the process of college exams and applications and essays, a lot of logisticals there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And though there are many like important logisticals to this process, my love for students is really founded in the belief that each of them is made uniquely and has an individual set Mm -hmm. of talents and gifts and strengths. And it's the interplay of these pieces and the interaction with the outer world that is the component I most look forward to helping them discover. Mm-hmm. This interaction be- best starts to develop as soon as ninth grade, and ideally it, that gradually increases throughout their time in high school. Yeah. Right. You have such a natural love for those students and seeing them really expand on their gifts and talents and learn what their gifts and talents are. And we just see you light up even here in the studio when you're talking about it. It's just really, the students are are very fortunate to have you as their counselor. And I'm fortunate to have them as students. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're glad to hear that. Well, the students' interactions with a counselor really picks up during the high school years. So for those parents that are listening tonight that have children in elementary and middle school, what habits and work ethics can parents, or work ethics, that can parents help their younger students develop uh, to help them secure the best possible college and best possible career paths in the future? This is such a great question, and it's not foreign. I think a lot of parents today are really trying to figure out, how can I get underneath this without it being pressurized? How mm-hmm. can I help them really see and begin to visualize what is in front of them in terms of how they're created and how they can begin to operate in this world based on the equipment that they've been given or the talents? Mm-hmm. Um, parents can have an intentional but organic conversations with their children all throughout their childhood um, about the things that they love to do and the things that they see their children are really good at, just yes. to begin to call those out Um, because calling them out the natural strengths one sees in their children is really empowering and if a parent has done that over time then by the time the child is implementing steps toward their adult life Mm -hmm. and making college and career decisions the longevity of the message of their sons or daughters strengths can really take flight Mm -hmm. and again it's that message over time Mm -hmm. rushing the college process too early can potentially end up seeming like pressure but allowing them to flourish in their natural abilities and calling those out in them will prime them for the day when you begin to talk specifically about where they will have that opportunity to develop more knowledge, to develop more knowledge and hone in on their interests. Mm-hmm. You know, I just want to add a point to you were talking about, you know, just recognizing those strengths and talents at a young age. I mean, I see that with my own kids, like just some of the things that, uh, you know, my daughter is really strong at. I've called them out. I've encouraged by getting her involved in some extracurricular mm-hmm. activities surrounding some of those strengths and the confidence level. I mean, just how their confidence grows so quickly at this age because they're they're so innocent mm-hmm. and it's like wow mom and dad really believe that I can do this and they see this as something that is a strength of mine and mm-hmm. and they they embrace it without like this trepidation like they really really go for it with everything they have and they grow That's quickly great. exactly yes, so good and it is so important as you said you know and it makes you feel bad for the kids that don't have that yes. you know as I'm listening to you talk I'm thinking there's a lot of children out there unfortunately don't have that encouragement from their families and maybe you don't have the parents that they need to be able to help them along in that regard. Mm-hmm. And that's where, too, a college counselor can can be an important person in a child's life and their teachers to encourage them in those gifts as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in guiding the students, Dina, uh, academically and professionally, it's one aspect of, of serving as a college uh, and career counselor. And in any, a healthy 
counselor-student relationship, trust and friendship. I mean, they're just some characteristics that counselors aim to cultivate with their students. I mean, these kids are opening up with like the deepest you mm-hmm. know, desires and secrets of their hearts to someone that they need to get to know. What are some other key relational components that you seek to establish with students? Trust and friendship are a great foundation. Um, in addition to those, I would also say honor and inspiration. One thing I talk to the Liberty students about is how everyone reflects the image of God. And sometimes that reflection looks different in someone else than the way that it looks in you. When I talk to students about where they may want to go to school or what major they might want to choose, it's so fun for me to honor the reflection that they have of God that I don't. And then to see that come to life in tangible ways, such as choosing a college or choosing a major. They inspire me to the realization that finding something we love to do makes us come alive. Mm -hmm. And that's different for each one of us. Mm -hmm. We're not all going to come alive in the same way. Right. Right. Or the Mm -hmm. same time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, we are in studio today here on Education Nation on AM 1280 The Patriot with Dina Hinkle, the career and college counselor at Liberty Classical Academy in studio today discussing with us the role of uh, her position of career and college counselor and how children develop over the course of years to be ready to take on all of the wonderful educational challenges and opportunities that come not only in K-12 through but outside of that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and as a career uh, and college counselor, one of your biggest passions that you've mentioned is to help students to see the opportunities in front of them. Mm-hmm. And this helps upper school students, and when we say that we're talking high school years, really to begin to own their own decision making. So as the school's counselor, how do you help students see these opportunities? Helping students see these opportunities begins really by helping them find verbiage around how they are uniquely made and gifted, and then by encouraging them to use that information to see the opportunities around them. And this can be in jobs or activities or even possible volunteer positions to help them decide what is a best fit area of interest that will allow them to work into their greatest potential and fulfillment and for God's glory. Yeah, and that's really key right there, volunteer position, because it's not always about what you know, but it's who you know. Mm-hmm. And when you can true. establish those relationships yes. and connections early on, that's mm-hmm. uh, all the more uh, mm-hmm. uh, working in your favor then, too. Mm-hmm. 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 Teaching them to network at young ages. Yes. Yeah. Well, and one example would be that if a student loves children, I'd encourage them to, to seek out a summer job in a child care center, or helping a teacher out, or to mm-hmm. shadow somebody in that. And that not only connects them with that person that they're working alongside, but also then, like you said, networking to a wider community that they're learning alongside too. Right. And not only networking too, but you know, there's, there's textbook knowledge, but then again, it's the experience that's so crucial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the work ethic, you're developing a work ethic at a young age at that point, Mm -hmm. um, helping them find that balance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you have built the school's college readiness program, uh, Dina. Can you explain for our listeners how the program is built for so much more than the mere desire to see students go to college and get good jobs? Hmm. The College Readiness Program's ultimate goal is to help students really know how God uniquely equipped them and to help them increase in confidence Mm -hmm. in the beginning stages of developing that knowledge. So this is usually the first time that um, students are really realizing that that these are talents put there on purpose, for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And so it's so fun to come alongside them in that realization. Um, But our program is meant to both help them realize that and then 
also to help them put feet to the ground in in kicking it off in experiences. Mm -hmm. It really aims to help them realize that their worth isn't inherent in what they do, but Mm -hmm. it's bestowed upon them by our God who loves them so much that he gave them talents and strengths with which to spend their effort and their time pursuing that. And ultimately, this program is based in the belief that each of us will be filled and satisfied using those gifts, which is really of secondary value in light of the fact that using them glorifies God. That's it Mm -hmm. right there, yes. Yeah, that's the whole reason why he gives us all different gifts, right? Right. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the different stages of the college readiness program. You take the ninth graders through Strong's Interest Inventory. Can you share with us why that is and why it's such an important component of the program? Yeah, the Strong Interest Inventory assesses one's interests and it gives correlating ideas for college majors and careers. So this one is really helpful when working with students to instigate intentionality and awareness around what specifically holds their interest in the world. And then to take it a step further, looking at whether those interests could be translated into a college major and eventually a career. Mm -hmm. That is very important. So it really starts there, right? Mm -hmm. Really starts there. Other than what we've talked about earlier, where the parents are encouraging Mm -hmm. the kids to use their gifts and talents. But as far as the formal program, it really begins in ninth grade with that Strong's inventory, which makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. that you would start there. And with each year that follows, it really, I mean, that's the foundation that you were just talking about there. And then it really kind of begins to build upon that. And so the guidance and the self-assessment continues. In sophomores now, they take the Myers-Briggs, okay? And the students in their junior class, they'll take the Strengths Finder assessments. So, I mean, what do the students learn about themselves in both the Myers-Briggs assessment in 10th grade and Strengths Finder in the 11th grade? They learn quite a few things. Um, one thing that I'm telling them from the beginning when they take these assessments is this not this is not them in 14 pages, but again, mm-hmm. is meant to be a tool to help right. them figure these things out. And so they're, they're all aiming at giving them verbiage around how they're already created. So in that, they're taking this and they're self-reporting. So what we talk about is when, when they're answering their questions and then we'll get a result, what it is is information that it's probably not new to them. Mm-hmm. It's just put in a little bit more of a succinct form where they can say, oh yeah, mom and dad have been telling me that. They're calling that out in me or or I see that when I am doing these things. Um, so where the strong interest inventory gets at interests, the Myers-Briggs type indicator assesses one's personality. Um, so specifically how one engages with the world, um, such as extroversion or introversion, and then how one takes in information, whether it's through their senses or their intuition, um, how they make decisions as thinkers or feelers, and how they organize their world. This assessment is a framework for talking about these four dichotomies that are a part of all of our personalities. Mm -hmm. Where one falls on these scales is really helpful for assessing things like why someone likes to work alone versus on a team or how one person tends to be able to read between the lines versus receiving information straightforward through their five senses. Mm -hmm. How one uses logic to make decisions or how another one even tends to be more subjective when making decisions. And finally, how somebody might be really flexible to change while another one wants to go according to the plan. Mm-hmm. This is so comprehensive. I mean, these are things yes. you never think no. about when you're going through. And your of classes. course, I didn't get any of this I in my either. college. My, I, I think either. I had one perfunctory meeting with my college counselor my senior year <laughs> yeah. of high school. Yes. And honestly, I was all set to go to a school that all my family members had gone to, and just assumed that's where I'd be going. Right. 
And then I had my one, like I said, perfunctory meeting in the fall of my senior year. And she said, so where are you going to go to school? Oh, Luther College in Decorah, Iowa. What are you going to study? Speech pathology. Uh, I don't think you can study speech pathology at Luther. Yeah. <laughs> so there I was, senior year, It would have been nice to have known that earlier in the year, right? <laughs> <laughs> but we did not have any meetings. We didn't have any of this. So oh, this is just such a gift to the students. These kids are going to be prepared. Yes, well, this is wonderful. They are. Well, and it's a fun process because I found that using the Myers-Briggs with students allows them to really get a sense of their personalities. And it's not just so where have people gone before you, right. but it's a participation in this process. Yes. It's knowing who you are so that you can make decisions for your future in light of that. It's, you're not pegged into one spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Myers-Briggs. And then the strengths is different than the other two. And this is the one that I use with the juniors. So okay. we're building again on right. the strong interest inventory and then the Myers-Briggs and now the strengths. And the strengths is different than the other two in that it helps um, people assess their strengths. Really, it has a positive psychology mindset. Um, and it's and it's meant to help one discover those so that they can learn how to apply them. One, Rebecca, that you and I share is is achiever, yeah. is the achiever strength. And that's making sure that you can check things off your list and getting them done and yeah. very mm-hmm. task-oriented. Mm-hmm. And when we can see that in light of being a strength, then we're able to operate in the balcony of what of mm-hmm. what that is. Sometimes the basement comes in when we're more task focused right. and paper focused. <laughs> but those are the things that helping students see the balconies of it and the mm-hmm. basements of it, then they can be aware of using those in a strengths capacity and not just um, thinking that that's just how life is. Right. Or assuming that everybody else is or, just like you. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, what a pool of information to then pull from in your decision making too. It makes it more well thought out too. And yeah. that's yeah. always awesome. Well, as the students enter their senior year, again, we're still building upon this foundation of assessment, you help them synthesize all three of these assessments in one-on-one meetings. Share with our listeners how all of these discoveries come together for the students in the process of exploring college opportunities. During 12th grade, I get to meet with a student individually with all three spread out in front of us. And it's to visual to vision cast for their future based on what all of these assessments have helped them discover about themselves over the years Mm -hmm. and how these assessments have helped them make decisions for how they'll spend their summers, either volunteering or working or choosing different opportunities in light of these in light of the results here. We look at the results of all three of them synthesize that information and figure out what would be helpful in deciding on a potential college major and on a place that they think would help them cultivate learning more about their their interests and goals and Mm -hmm. developing that knowledge base. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we talk about their past high school years or jobs or extra activities specifically so that they know what was helpful, what was not helpful, and how can they how can they synthesize that to make a decision mm-hmm. on the place that they're that they're going to go? Right. Mm. I just want to add also too that you know going through you know your educational experience and learning, you're never going to stop learning. Obviously, once you're out of school, and no. In fact, the things that you go and study in school may ultimately not be the field that you stay right. in for the rest of mm-hmm. your life. But there will be things that you will take from that experience as you continue to learn more about yourself and you continue to grow. That will be then influential in a career choice five, ten years maybe after you're out of college that you never thought you would ever walk mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. And Mark, I'm, I'm so glad you said that because the really great thing that I get to talk about with students at this point mm-hmm. is that failing doesn't make them a failure. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes students try out an area of interest only to realize that it isn't what they thought and that they really don't like it. Yeah. And this is such a great thing for them to acknowledge because figuring out who you are is a process and this is a part of that process. It's not the light at the end of the tunnel so much as it right. is the journey. Yeah. Um, I was I just finished the book 
Anne of Green Gables with my girls, and it was so delightful. But one of the things she says at the end of the book is next to trying and winning, the best thing is trying and failing. And so at this point in Mm -hmm. their lives, this is where we get to synthesize all this information, make the best thought process like going forward in terms of their next few steps. Mm -hmm. But this acknowledgement that learning is a lifelong thing Mm -hmm. and that if you fail, but you learned something, you really win. Mm -hmm. And another way to look at it, too, is that. Um, it's just another thing that I had the opportunity to try. Yeah. I was this, I was this, I was this. And wasn't it Edison, you know, in the creation of the light bulb, he found that it was like 999 (laughs) ways not to do it. And so he just turned the language to say, (laughs) no, this wasn't failure. I just have no, I've tried this way, this way, and this way. Didn't work, but this is the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. Uh, Well, once a student's gifts and personality types are discovered, how do you go about helping the student to develop those gifts up until they're ready to take the next step into post-secondary education? I encourage them to work in summer jobs within their interest area and notice when their personality, like introversion or extroversion, is at play and Mm -hmm. what they like or didn't like. Again, both of that knowledge is Mm -hmm. really worth acquiring. Mm -hmm. I also encourage them to notice these things in the extracurricular activities they do. Other ways we can help, um, we help our students develop their gifts are through opportunities like practice interview sessions, which are really fun to help them prepare for either those college interviews or even job interviews, Um, local college fair visits, class meetings with parents, dessert with each grade throughout the month. And a new fun thing that I'm working on this year is an off-campus senior workshop day where we get to bring them off campus and really focus on all of their questions, college application, and kind of sit down with them, maybe even walk through application process, but their personal essays, Mm -hmm. just give them a space to do this well. Mm -hmm. That makes sense, especially since they're so busy. So busy. Yeah, to carve out a day would be very helpful for them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Another key component of the college readiness program is the annual trip to some of the nation's top colleges. In the past, you've taken students to Washington, D.C., and California. Where are you going this year, and what are some of the colleges you've taken the students to over the past couple of years? We get to go to Texas this year. We're flying into Houston, and then we're going to begin at Rice University. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to make our way up to College Station and go to Texas A&M. And then Waco, and we get to be at Baylor. And then finally in Dallas, we're going to go to Southern Methodist University. Great. So I have all great have schools. That plotted out. Yeah, that yes. will be so fun. And let me ask you this. In the process of you arranging these campus visits, I mean, what is it that you're looking for in a school that you say, okay, this is a place that I'd like to bring mm-hmm. the, the students to? What we're looking for in a school specifically is, are they kind of a leading research? Are they mm-hmm. putting out people in the world who are influencers? And mm-hmm. that's directly in line with Liberty's purpose, which is to... Um, help our students be influencers in our culture. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, all of the schools that, that you just mentioned, again, these are some of the more prestigious, you know, top universities in the country. And when the kids mm-hmm. visit schools that have such storied histories, how would you describe their reactions when they're on these campuses for the first time? And what are you trying to convey to the students as they, as they visit these schools? Oh, Mark, they are so very excited to experience a taste of just what their next step in life could potentially look like. And they are usually in awe of the size and the scope of schools. Mm-hmm. Really just being surrounded by academia, I think really for the first time, seeing themselves inside of it, sure. that just makes them light up. Sure. One of our desires at Liberty is for our students to dream big for their futures, to have their eyes open to tremendous opportunities in front of them and then to develop a filter for how they will choose the college that they want to attend. And the process of choosing a college is tough. Many only even consider schools close to home or familiar to them, just like you, Rebecca, Mm -hmm. because that's what you think. Right. Um, And so what I'm trying to encourage in our students on this trip is just that they are capable, Mm -hmm. that they are capable, A, of dreaming 
and B of getting there if they decide to put in the hard work. Mm-hmm. This trip is a great way for students to figure out what sorts of qualities to look for in a potential college and then to dream big. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I went on the first one a couple of years ago sure. to D.C. with the students and with Gina. And it was such a joy to see their, it's like their horizons just opened up. It is. And, you know, that's what, that's why we do this as, as you've mentioned, Dina. And I remember, um, a couple of the students, we went to the Navy, um, U.S. Naval, US Naval Academy. Academy, and then we went to Georgetown. Both are awesome in completely different ways, but just seeing different kids light up mm-hmm. at each one. It yes. was really interesting to see that. You know, at the Navy, we had several kids that were marching right up to that counselor's office and wanting to talk with them and others who thought, no way, I would never want to go here. It's, you know, so rigid and, and lots of rules, but that's part of what the Naval Academy is about. Right. Um, but Georgetown with its austere, you know, medieval architecture, it was just mm. so, it, it makes you feel like you're almost in ancient times, almost like at Oxford or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that intellectual, the kids who are super intellectual, um, really were drawn to that school. We actually ended up with a student who went to Georgetown. Just starting, this year. He's just his starting first weekend. Yes, mm-hmm. and he received a $57,000 annual scholarship for, for Georgetown. So, wow. um, you know, for people who might be listening, you don't want to let the price tag scare you. Uh, you do want to pursue the school that is the best fit for your child and then work with that school on scholarships and things that can make it more affordable for you. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yes. We've heard of some of the schools in Texas and in Washington, D.C. that you visit. I'm curious, which schools in California did you take uh, students on? Yeah, we were there last November, yeah. and we went to Pepperdine. We went to the University of Southern California, and we went to UCLA. Okay. Uh, we also went to Pomona and Harvey Mudd. So just like you were calling out mm-hmm. in our in our previous trip to D.C., such a wide variety. I mean, mm-hmm. excellence in the academic institutions sure. also looks so different. Just like we are unique, they are unique. And so it's it's so fun to see some kids light up mm-hmm. at a really strong math school like right. Harvey Mudd, right. where I'm like shrinking in my <laughs> head. It's not me, but it's them. Yes. And that's so fun to honor mm-hmm. the way that God made them, yes. them there. Or USC, which is just huge, a yes. huge campus. And then seeing, seeing the students um, look around them and say, wow, there's so many people here and the things that they pull out. So mm-hmm. I think one of the funnest outcomes of this trip is to have parents come back and say to me um, what they see in their child. And that is a much higher level ownership over the process of figuring out schools for sure, Mm -hmm. but also the process of figuring out high school. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly their grades aren't between mom and dad or even their teachers, their grades are between them and their dreams. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're sitting down in their, in their seats, just a little different than when, than before we left. And that, and that ownership and embodiment of I'm doing this for a higher purpose, mm-hmm. really begins to center inside of yeah. themselves. That's so important. And speaking of which, and we just have about a minute left yes. here, you know, when a person thinks of building a life that inspires, oftentimes we, we think of GPA, job title, the amount of money a person can make. But at Liberty Classical Academy, the idea of a life that inspires is centered on a person, and it's much more elusive and much more exciting. Just explain that for us real quick. Liberty's goal of educating students really is much more elusive because it's built not on performance or GPA as much as we do talk about these logistics, uh, but it defines education and success in terms of really the health of a student's soul. 
rather mm-hmm. than the strength of their skills. Yeah. And so we are on a mission to teach them how to know who they are and how they are uniquely gifted for the sake of God's glory. And in doing that, encouraging them to think less of their own abilities and more of God's. Mm. The best way that we can do that as educators is to demonstrate with our own lives that a truly successful life is one in which God is glorified for his faithfulness and his love, regardless of our personal performance. And I hope to be just one of those voices at Liberty, one among many at Liberty, um, that nudges our students in the direction of two important realizations, really. And the first one is that they're equipped and they're capable and figuring out how they are equipped to cap- and capable. Mm-hmm. And two, that they will be most satisfied using their gifts and talents and strengths, not for their own sakes, but for God's glory. And ultimately that in doing so, our graduates will be culture changers. Absolutely. Well said, Dina. Thank you so much for joining us on, you, on Education Nation tonight. And for our listeners, please listen to this pod- podcast or any other podcast at ednationmn.org, ednationmn.org. Join us on Facebook at Education Nation Radio or Twitter at EdNationMN. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.